Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Blue Devil Podcast, an official inside look of everything stout. I am one of your hosts, Arthur Rooks, alongside some of the most amazing people here on campus. Z is here. What's up? Evan is here. Hey, yo. Logan is here. Hello. Our wonderful social social media specialist, who is not here, but shout out to Audrey, and our amazing producer, Eric Krause, is here. Doki doki. There it is. Um... How's everyone weekend? This is weird though. I don't think we should do a week update since we're recording this. Unlike uh, the listeners probably wouldn't know, but we usually record Wednesday, but we're recording on Thursday. So I think we actually it's do a Friday, our week. But. Yeah. Oh, so wow. how was our week? How was everyone's week? Let's do that. How's everyone's week? Uh, it's been a week. I I last night I uh, last night was Valentine's Day. And I went out for a, a nice meal with my girlfriend. And then nice. I pumped out a bunch of homework that I should have done that was, like, due that night. And mm-hmm. I feel like the man right now. The best bandit. Dude. Yeah, I, I, I cannot believe I got all of that stuff done. That's mm-hmm. amazing. The best bandit. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard that phrase before. I want to say, Logan, um, I am one of those people, and Zeke can uh, attest to this. Um, I don't celebrate Valentine's Day. Well, not. Not that I don't celebrate it. I just don't think, like... I'm okay with like if my girl celebrates Valentine's Day, I'm gonna buy her flowers. But I really, I really wish that women don't like those that day. Well, we didn't really do anything crazy. We just, we just went out for dinner. It was just kind of a we just you know went and had a, a, a cool night or whatever. I don't know. I just feel like why do we have to wait on a specific day to do something nice for the person we like. Oh, yeah. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my only problem. Yeah, I mean, I would say that you should do that kind of stuff a lot, but I, I but I, I don't have any problem with, like, you know, this being a day to, like, appreciate yeah. each other yeah. or whatever. I agree. Right. Give yeah. me my gifts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. How about Evan, uh, Z, how was your week? Um, I, well, I got two things. First, uh, right before we recorded this, I... I was shoveling my car out, and it took me about forty-five minutes. To that shovel sucked. Because uh, I, I have, I have oh, not. Are you on the? I had not moved my car, uh, in like two weeks. Mm. So he, yeah, I referred to my car as a he, but it just did. <laughs> uh, his name is Calvin. Shout out to Calvin. Um, so like, does Calvin listen to the podcast? Uh, he should. He really should. <laughs> what is he doing? All right. So like, um. Yeah, so I've shoveled them out for about 45 minutes. Um, I, my pants were soaked, socks were soaked, shoes were soaked. Um, but I got them out, and it, honestly, like, I feel like I just I just worked out. Nice. But but earlier today, I was getting food, and this is just a funny story. Um, I was just walking into the MSC, and then I heard these two people talking, and then one was like, I, I don't know the name, but it was like, you buy so much milk, why do you buy so much milk? And then he goes like, he goes, because it gives me calcium and strong bones. And then the other girl goes, it just gives me gas. I just thought that was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know. I just thought that was really funny. But that, that was my week. Funny. It was a good week. See, what about you? How was your week? My week was weird. You know how, like, you have one of those weeks that's, like, so long till you really don't remember what happened? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where I'm at currently in my life. So, yeah, um, just a lot of meetings and... Um, I feel like I didn't do much, but I did a lot at the same time. So, I mean, it was good. I'm happy it's Friday. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this Thank makes you. me happy. We, as in Evan, Logan, and myself, haven't had a full week of. Have you? Z? I could be wrong. Eric, have any of you guys had a full week of classes yet? 
I don't nope. think so, no. I have not. I have not. Oh, my goodness. I haven't. Well, I have. That's interesting, right? I mean, I guess I've had a class every day this week. But mm. not like a full but schedule. But not like, no, like, like a full yeah. schedule class. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I That's haven't had that. No, I haven't we, have our, we had our Tuesday class canceled again yeah. this week. So. I was just talking about that with someone. I was like, I don't know what my schedule is like officially yet. And we're almost like mid-deep We're almost in midterm. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know how, how my schedule is like because I haven't had a full week yeah. yet. Are to we like, really almost in midterms? We're close. Yeah, we're, we're close. God. That's insane. Can you believe that? And we've... Yuck. I feel like the semester just started. Like, I feel like we're just still doing oh, yeah. intro stuff, you know? It's, it's all the missed days. That's why I don't like school being canceled, but the weather was so bad. It's that, like... That one mm-hmm. class that we've, we've all, we all had canceled on Tuesday, I think we've only had maybe three of those three classes. Or oh, yeah. Three oh, or yeah. four. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. insane. And then, like, one of the classes, like, half people couldn't show up because it was snowing so bad, you know? Like, yeah. I don't know, we already like, have a major paper due in that class. I know. <laughs> you got do, like, what, next week or something like that? A couple weeks, but yeah. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> a couple wow. weeks. Yeah, I had an exam, actually. Um, it was supposed to, I was supposed to have an exam today, but due to all the canceled days and other things, it's now moved till next week. So, you know, I'm kind of enjoying it. It's weird, okay. but mm. I'm not rushing it. <laughs> Trying to take it day by day. Yep, day by day. All right, let's jump right into announcements. What do we got, Evan? Um, well, let's see what we got. Let's see. Uh, Monday, February eighteenth. It's Coffee Monday, uh, so we can uh, we can join Jessica for Yo- Yoga Mondays from seven p.m. to eight p.m. at North Point. InterVarsity Christian Fellowship from seven p.m. to eight p.m. in White in the White Pine Room, and the GSA Weekly General Meeting from seven to nine at the MSC in Ballroom B. Uh, we got Tuesday, February nineteenth. Latinos U- Unidos. Weekly meeting from 6 to 7 in the MSC in the White Pine Room. we got Wednesday, February 20th, Social Justice, Coffee Hour, Peaceful Activism, 1.30 p.m. and 2.30 p.m. in Willow Walnut. And then Black Student Union General Meeting, 2.45 Jarvis um, from 6 to 7. We've got Thursday, February 21st, Hot Chocolate Thursday in the Involvement Center from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Show up. It's really tasty. Oh, yeah. Multicultural Student Services, Office Hosting, adult, Adulting 101, Another Day, Another Email. Uh, Friday, we got Free Climbing Friday at, Udo- at Stout Adventures, starting at 1 p.m. Come see the new amazing renovated wall. Arthur, you probably could tell us all about it. Oh, yeah. Um, it's your turn, Stout. Don't forget the Peace March is this Friday outside the MSC in the amphitheater. Uh, what time was that at again? That is at 1, I believe. Oh, 1230. That's 12.30, meaning in the MSC. 12.30. Uh, and last, we get the Multicultural Student Services Office hosting the Alumni Speaker Series. Alicia Campbell, join them in Bowman 217 from 3.30 to 4.30 p.m. That's all we got, Arthur. All right. Sounds thank- like a great week. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> thank you for those amazing announcements. Um, my favorite part of the show, you all sent in your questions, and she has the answers. Here's what we like to call Ag Z from our very own Z. All right. Thanks for that introduction, Arthur. And um, happy Black History Month, everybody. And my guy, 21, is free. Uh, we go see what's happening with that. Oh, by the way, I don't want to interrupt you, but I had people <laughs> messaging me and just saying that that was very funny, the free 21 Savage comedy. <laughs> yeah, I've been, I've been, I'm still reading up on that. So it's, it's an interesting case. <laughs> so um, I got a, my first question is from Claire Reese. Shout out to Claire Reese. Um, and she asks, what do you want to do after college? So, um, 
Yeah, I'm like a college senior, right? And um, it's weird because I kind of know what I want to do. Then again, I kind of don't. So I'm an applied social science major. Um, so my options are very broad. Um, but if you go to grad school for like law or something, it will be like it ties in really good with my major. I am not going to grad school. I am done after this. <laughs> um, so I do want to get into politics, take the political route. Um, community organizing, that's all I know so far. Um, and then later on in my life, getting involved with politics. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much it right now is just, I don't know, work with, like, PR. I have no idea, honestly. Um, and then my next question, and um, the guys, if you want to join in with this one, you can. The next question is, um, as a college student, what is your biggest pet peeve? And mine's honestly, is um, I hate rereading my work. I don't know why. Like, it, it really, like, bothers me to read over mm -hmm. my work. And, like, sometimes I don't do it when I know I can. Like, I'll get feedback, and the professor just be like, yeah, just, like, reread your work. Like, they already know what's my biggest problem. So, um, yeah, but it doesn't, it doesn't kill me to read over my work. I just hate it. Uh, so, like, what kind of work? What kind of work? I do a lot of papers. Mm -hmm. And I just, I hate rereading my, I don't know why it's so hard for me to do it. Yeah. And it's like, I hate it so much that I won't do it. Like, <laughs> I literally will not do it. And so that's like one of my biggest flaws as a college student. Because it's like, I know the errors, I can fix the errors, and I choose not to. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that's my human flaw. Do y'all have any biggest, like, pet peeves as college students? Hmm. Hard question. That's <laughs> a hard one. I hate the online discussion board like oh. formula like oh, yes i i've seen i i'm currently in a class that doesn't require you to do like the post and, and like reply to two people which i like a lot mm -hmm. uh but i really hate that like oh post or a, you know post a discussion post to this thing which i think most of the time is fine the problem is i hate the reply to two of your you know your classmates <laughs> or whatever oh, yeah. because most of the time i don't know there's not a whole lot to say it's already been said you're then you're you go in there and you're like oh man i I think that what you said here was interesting. Yada yada. Even if you, you know, even if you really, you know, you're kind of, you're kind of just like, wow, really interesting comment. And maybe it is, but like, it just it really, never, it just never feels productive. It really doesn't. And it's, it's. I just feel like our our time could be better spent. Especially when Agreed. you have to ask a question after, like you have to ask a question within your reply. You know, ask a thoughtful question, and, and you're kind of like, I don't know what to ask. Like, what do you think about this? You know, like I don't know. I don't know. I don't have one. <laughs> okay. But I agree. I agree. The uh, reply to two comments or posts, uh, it's so annoying. Because I have a PE class, and this is just a Gen Ed class. I hate that I have to do to reply to two posts. Because 99% of the time, someone else already said what I'm thinking. So it's like, when I go in there, I'm like, all right, what do I say? So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to say I agree. And the fact that the rules are you have to be thoughtful with your comments, it's like, <laughs> but I agree with what this person is saying. I don't have anything else to add. I agree. Like, I at one point, like, agree. there's nothing else to, like, you're just literally about to repeat exactly what they said, you know? Exactly. I don't yeah. know. I, I guess I can't, I, I, I don't know why. It's kind of hard to, because, like, I feel like everything else that, that could be considered a pet peeve is just, like, regular stuff we have to do, you know? Like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like you know like if you get a lot of homework in one day, it's not really a pet peeve. It's like oh well, it just <laughs> kind of piled up one day, you know. Yeah. Like nothing really we can do about it. That's true. 
What else yeah. we got, Z? So, last and final question. And um, if y'all would like to answer this, y'all can too. So, um, if there was one radio personality, TV person, or media personality um, that you could be, who would it be and why? Ha! So, okay, y'all, don't judge me on this, right? But, like, when I be at home in the summer, like, every day at 10 o'clock, I used to watch Wendy Williams. <laughs> like, she's she's on the hiatus right now, but, you know, that's another conversation. But I don't isn't know why. She, not to interrupt you again, but isn't she going through some things? She's, yeah, she is, and she was supposed to return several times, but she haven't um, because of personal Prayers issues, health issues. Mm-hmm. So, hope she gets better. Yeah, I, hope, I really do hope she gets better, too. Um, so she's been having, like, guest hosts, um, guest stars host her show uh, for the past few months now. And, uh, you know, some of them are good. Nick Cannon did a very good Nick job. Nick Cannon did a good job. He I've did. That, yeah. yeah. Who? Nick, Nick Cannon. Cannon. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah. He did pretty good, but honestly, if I was like a, like a radio personality or a TV, I would definitely do Wendy Williams, like sit there with my tea every morning, like, how you doing, you know? So <laughs> mm-hmm. that's that's who I would be. So any for y'all? Um, I would be Mouse Jones. He is, uh, he is the host of He-Man Women Hater Club. If anyone ever seen... The Little Rascals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know that little club that they started? The yeah, He-Man yeah. Woman Hater Club? Yeah. <laughs> he turned that into a podcast. But right now, they, they have their own network. So they, uh, you know, they're a little change into the name. So they're called yep. um, The Clubhouse with Mouse Jones. And I would be him because he's not afraid to say anything. And he's not afraid to do anything to help um, with the conversation or help resolve, like for instance, he had when the R. Kelly situation was happening, he had the people who were uh, surrounding um, in making the R. Kelly thing on the uh, on his podcast to talk about it, and it's it's crazy because the next day uh, when he posted the episode, a girl commented under her under his post and said that. The people, the guy that was in, in an interview with him, um, was sexually harassing her. Really? He got that girl the, the next day on the podcast, and it's like other people would have been like, you know, because he—that's his mentor, the guy that he had. That's other other people would have tried to like, yo, that's my mentor. Let me, mm-hmm. you know, find out from him what's going on. Is this true? Mm-hmm. He's like, no. The next day, he had an episode with her, and like. Got her story aired, and which I was like, all right, yo, I like the way he moved. I like mm-hmm. how he he's he's not trying to hide anything from people. He's just trying to get the information yeah. out. So I like mm-hmm. that. Okay. That's very respectable. Um, I got two. Uh, first one is my favorite late night show talk show host Conan O'Brien. Ooh, mm-hmm. he's good. I I just think he is like such a unique type of funny. Mm-hmm. You know, he. I don't know. I just really enjoy it. So if I if I could be, if I could like host any late night talk show, I feel like I feel like TBS lets Conan do almost anything, <laughs> and I think he just makes it. He just makes anything funny. I just he's just yeah. such a unique. He has he has such a unique type of sense of humor. A second one probably would be. I don't know if any of you all watch uh, ESPN's First Take. Uh, like, I would Ooh. I would probably be. Um, well, I really love Stephen A. Smith, but I, I probably would be like Max Kellerman or Will Kane. I was gonna say I don't see you as a Stephen. A. I, Smith. I definitely I not a Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> but I can he's say, aggressive. Yeah. I don't see you as a. 
I can see myself like as a Will Kane. Will Kane is uh, he's yeah. got really good points and good facts, and I just love I love sports, so yeah. I could totally see like I, I like those those two are really like aspire to be like them because they both aren't really afraid to like say their Same opinions thing. and stuff. Yeah. Cool. What about you, Myri? Uh, I have two answers as well. Uh, the like easy answer is I'd be Jeff Goldblum, mm. uh, cause just mm-hmm. you know what, no one's aged as well as that man. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah, he is. And I, he just gets to, <laughs> he's a handsome. He gets man. to play all the fun roles now. So, like, all the shows so and stuff. <laughs> hold on, I just want to poke at you. So, you you want to be him because of looks? <laughs> no, no, no. Jeff Goldblum's also just a treasured human being. He is really treasured. Yeah. He's just a great He's guy. hilarious. And like I said, he gets to he gets to be all the fun roles now. He gets to be like, you know, he, he was in his role in Thor Ragnarok was awesome. Like mm-hmm. Jeff Goldblum is just a, a great dude. Although there was a definite lack of Goldblum in that last Jackson Jurassic Park movie or Jurassic World movie. He was like at the beginning and I haven't end. seen that movie. That's no. why those movies are they're done deals. You know what I mean? You don't have to don't watch them anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Who's the next one? Uh, I really, I really like this, uh, this like online community called kind of funny. And, uh, so I would be this dude, Greg Miller, who's kind of like the head honcho deal because he's a a really good dude. They have like this, this awesome audience. And basically I would just get to like talk about video games all day, which would be the dream. That is the dream. Nice. Yeah. You do you do have a video game podcast? Yeah, I do have a video the game podcast. podcast. Yeah, dot game. <laughs> the generic gaming podcast. The generic gaming podcast. MP3. I was trying to I was trying to mock Logan because if we <laughs> if we notice the trend every time we ask Logan about a question related mm-hmm. to podcast, Logan goes. Wow. <laughs> um. Yeah. So the generic podcast. Generic game podcast. Hey, you don't have a podcast. I do have. I we also have this podcast. Me and Eric, the generic gaming podcast. Dot MP3. You can check it out. It's me and Arthur have both <laughs> guest stars. You're very yeah. good at you know Subtle promoting your, yeah. your your podcast. Listen, in there. this show has a lot more <laughs> listeners than that show does. Mm-hmm. So I just say, if you like video games, you should you know go over there and give it a try. No, that's that's brilliant. Get that's that insane. Plug. That's right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, anything else, Z? Um, that's all for today. All right, let's get right into our uh, amazing interview that we have with uh, Doctor Sparks. All right, everyone, as promised, we do have someone special uh, in the studio here with us. Um, Dr. Sparks is here. Sparks, how are you feeling? I'm great. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, do you want to tell us about yourself? Um, <laughs> is that a weird question? Yeah, well, I, like I, mean, I don't know if it's a weird... It, how much do you want to know, I guess, that's the question. Do do I want to tell well, you about elevator myself? conversation. <laughs> okay, quickly, yeah. So I am a professor in the English and Philosophy Department. This is my fifth year here at UW-Stout. Uh, I'm a tenured associate professor in the PSEM program, Professional Communication and Emerging Media, for those of you that are, are not hip with the jive. Um, I teach um, <laughs> usability, design, and testing. I teach English 125, your favorite um, style and grammar class. I also teach the English 340, uh, which is the structure of English linguistics class. Um, and I teach a graduate level course, um, user-centered design for technical communicators. And uh, then I teach some freshman comp and uh, English 320 as well, which is our uh, technical professional writing course. So uh, I'm also uh, the director of the User Experience Center here on campus in Harvey Hall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're sitting there right now because yes, you guys were accommodating me and my my schedule and my inability to walk with these old bones down there. <laughs> so, so I appreciate it. So He's an uh, old guy, basically. Yeah, I'm old. I'm old. I, I'm really excited to uh, answer some questions from... 
the crew of students here at UW Stout. So uh, let's get at it. Yeah. So um, for those of you who don't know, Sparse has, has agreed to answer questions that he is unaware of. He doesn't. Yeah, this is all going to be a big old surprise. We're just going to. Every question. This is one of my favorite. This is probably going to be my favorite episode um, because. So just quickly, Arthur, let me ask you this. So these questions are coming from. Students. Not just PSEM people, no, not this the is... cool crew of, of <laughs> you know, podcast developers, mm-hmm. but these are from students all across campus. Yep. This is, I threw a this couple a in there. Wide I threw a couple in there, too, because I just was curious of some of the stuff, but mostly it's. Yeah, it's, so. It's well, Obviously, I, I, you... I'll do my best. Thank you. Right. Thank you. All right. We want to jump right into it? Yeah, you hit him with the, the first question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, first off, how did you get into teaching? And how did you get into stout? So and why stout? I mean, why stout? Why stout? So um, how did I get into teaching? Uh, I suppose you could say I was destined to be a teacher. My dad was a teacher. My mom was a teacher. I started teaching... Uh, swimming lessons when I was like 13 years old, that kind of stuff. Um, but as far as how I got into teaching college, I was a high school teacher for a while, and um, I just kind of got tired of dealing with parents, to be honest with you. And so I just wanted to deal with students and hold students accountable and help them um, achieve their goals. And so I went to graduate school, got my PhD, and applied around for a bunch of jobs. And I actually ended up at two universities before I got to Stout. First, I was at the University of Minnesota Duluth, um, and I did that for two years. And then I took a job down at University of Wisconsin Parkside. And I was down there for two, uh, for three years rather, in an English department. And I was the only person teaching technical writing, usability, linguistics types of classes there. Um, most of the students who would get an English degree there uh, would get degrees in literature, and a lot of them would have a hard time getting employment after that. And mm. so. Um, I'm a Minnesota guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is closer to home. Saw the job popped up. And I've had my eye on Stout for a while because of the polytechnic thing, because of the fact that you guys get lots and lots of opportunities that students at other universities don't get. Hashtag take advantage, by the way. <laughs> um, but uh, I really like the idea that, that in a major that is in an English department, students can go out and get actual jobs and lots of different types of jobs. All four of you are probably going to end up with a different type of job. You're not going to end up doing the same thing. That's really cool for me um, to give students those opportunities. So I applied for the job. Um, I razzle-dazzled them, apparently, and duped them, and they hired me, and uh, I'm still here. So having a good time so far. Live right here in Menominee, and it's, it's good stuff. So Stout's, Stout is um, where I want to be. Could I be at other places? Sure. Um, do I want to be? No. I like the students. Um, they're hardworking, and I really like the institution and the opportunities that provide students. So that's why I stout. I'm assuming um, you said, because you don't want to deal with the parents. <laughs> yeah. So I'm assuming mm-hmm. like impact is also why you got into teaching, to impact the students' lives and... Or yeah, is that, I mean, or is that I too mean, deep? No, uh-huh. I, don't, I don't think it's too deep. No, you're getting all philosophical on me, Arthur. No, I mean, for real, like... Teaching the classes is is one thing, right? The mm-hmm. content or whatever. But you guys have all had me in class at one time mm-hmm. or another. Um, like, the content is whatever. It 
for me, it's a lot of the stuff around the content that you can't even really put your finger on, mm -hmm. which is building relationships with students, providing opportunities for students by investing in them. You know, some guy might be like, oh, I don't know what to do with my course schedule. Can you help me out? And that person may or may not actually be one of my <laughs> advisees. Let's just say his name's Arthur just for fun, right? I mean, I like to be able to do those things and, and help students to do what they want to do, yeah. which is go out and get jobs, right? Mm -hmm. or, or not get jobs or be creative people. But I'm also kind of a straight talker. Mm -hmm. um, so I tell people, uh, and, I, and I think that is the way that I can contribute to helping students and really make an impact is like saying to somebody, you know, you want to be the next great creative writer? Here are the things that you need to know about, Logan. Um, so that we, so that we're going into it sort of with our eyes wide open. And I think that's one of the things that I can really bring, um, to students that I can't necessarily do by just standing in front and saying, here's the content that you need to know. Mm -hmm. So for sure. Yeah. I spend a lot of extra time doing things that aren't part of my duties as a professor necessarily, because I want to help students and make an impact mm -hmm. on students. So. And Sparts, I don't know if you know this, but one of the main reasons why I went to Scotland was that like talk you gave me when I was in your office, you know, telling me about like college is like a certain time of your life. You got to make your opportunities count and stuff. So actually that talk was one of the reasons why I, I went to Scotland is why I did it. Well, that's, that's cool. Yeah. I, I mean, assuming you had a good Amazing. experience. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was great. You had a good experience. Yeah, yeah. You're like, I went to Scotland. It was horrible. Thanks. Sports. It was all your fault. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I mean, and, and I like to be able to do those things because I think sometimes students are, they, they either don't have those relationships with their parents or caregivers or whoever, um, or they're afraid to have those conversations mm -hmm. with them because okay. parents, parents haven't sat in the seat that I sit in, so they don't have you know all of the different experiences and mm -hmm. different sort of purview of what's going on. So I can say things to you that your parents might not say to you, um, and I think that's a really important thing mm -hmm. too. So yeah. Um, on this episode, we're going to count how many times Sparks use a hip word. <laughs> so that's, that's twice. Cool was one of them. I can't oh, remember the other one. I don't know. What are you that's talking about? Hip, that's a hip word. That's a that's not a thing people of your age commonly say. I don't know say. how old you think I am, Arthur. 25, you know. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty hip, if you will. Yeah. What's your favorite class to teach? But also, you mentioned earlier that, like, you kind of started teaching structure of English. And I know that, like, uh, before, like, Jolene Hansen, I know she taught it. Like, mm -hmm. how does that work? Like, so, like, what's your favorite class to teach? And how does that work with, like, some teachers kind of starting to teach other classes? Like, how does that work? So, first off, what's my favorite class to teach? Mm -hmm. I think probably, um, it's probably English 125. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the reason I like to teach it is because students are really surprised by it. I think a lot of students walk into the class, and, and again, you guys kind of know me, like, here's my approach to teaching. I'm like the military. Let's break them down and make them feel horrible about themselves, and then we'll slowly build them up uh, to give them all the skills that they need, right? Mm -hmm. And that's why on my evaluations, people will be like, he, he's so, uh, I don't know, I was so intimidated by him at the beginning of the semester, and <laughs> blah, blah, and, you know, students will even drop the first couple days, and you know, that kind of stuff. And I'll say to them, I'm the only one who teaches this. You'll see me again. Um, but I really like teaching that class because, especially for um, our PSEM majors, because PSEM students are a lot like I was, which is why, why did you get into English? Why did you get into doing something writing and in the world of communication? Because I'm just kind of good at it without ever having to 
having mm-hmm. to work at it, right? Mm-hmm. How did I choose an English major? They made me choose an English. They made me choose a major, and I called my dad and I said, "Dad, uh, I need to choose a major." He goes, "Well." Take a look at your transcript and see what you're good at. And I went down, <laughs> I, I went down yeah, the right. list, and I was like, "Hey, I get A's in all these courses where I'm supposed to write." So I chose an English major, right? And so I think a lot of students come into it with that exact situation. Mm-hmm. And for me, I really had a, an aha moment um, in my undergraduate when I took uh, a class called stylistics, which was basically a class exactly like the professional elements of style or whatever yeah, yeah. it's called, right? Um, where I was like, you know what, if I can learn the structure of our language and the rules of our language, linguistically speaking, I can control the way that I communicate in a better and more robust Mm -hmm. way. And so um, I like that when students come in and they think they know a lot of things and they'll be like, oh, this is going to be a breeze, a 100-level class, blah, 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 and all of a sudden they get their first exam back Mm -hmm. and they're like, oh, wait, wait, wait there's more to this than I thought there might be. Um, and I like to see that evolution, that development of students. Um, and then now, because I'm teaching the English 340 class to get to your second part of your question, I get to see sort of the fruits of that labor, both that I put in in teaching the class, but also that students get in and working through some of that tough mm-hmm. stuff so that they start to connect some of the dots when they're taking structure of English, specifically when we start looking at the syntax and some of those type of things. How did I get to teach that class? Well, um, Jolene Hansen, Dr. Hansen's been teaching that class for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was here uh, prior to m- me getting here. Um, I was hired primarily because there was a gap and a need to teach the usability courses. Mm-hmm. Um, we had another professor who was here who left and went out to Metro State University. Um, but we want to try to rotate through so that students aren't stuck with a particular professor. They don't they don't necessarily like, get along with, have a difference in style with, et cetera, so that we can kind of put some of these courses in rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those decisions are made by um, people with far more power, looking at you, Dr. Ogden, uh, than, than I have, right? Um, and, and they sit down with our department head, looking at you, Dr. Derzakowski, <laughs> and they make decisions about what would be the best schedule for different professors at different times and so that we can really kind of have two people who can teach all of our classes. Mm -hmm. So they just come and they say, I I just got my thing this week. Here's what you're teaching next semester. I'm like, all right, I guess I'll be teaching that. Um, And obviously there are conversations about those in our department meetings and in our our program meetings, but um, ultimately the decision is made based on giving a variety of Mm -hmm. options to people. So yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. But what I got from that story is, since I'm getting A in uh, PE right now, you're saying that I should switch from PSAM and be a gym teacher. Right? <laughs> no, no, no. There's a difference between being a gym teacher and being a gifted athlete, Arthur. I, I, don't, I, don't know that, I don't know that I would recommend that you be a PE teacher. You know, if there's a way for you to make money by, you know, running, lifting, doing things like that, I'm just saying, as far one. as I'm getting all A's in yeah. PE, I'm seeing the trend. That's well, what it, it may be the case that that was just the path of least resistance <laughs> in an academic discipline, right? So, yeah. Uh, this is a question that I'm I'm really itching to ask. So, uh, what's the number one thing that you wish students didn't do? The number like one your, thing that I wish students didn't do. Your biggest pet peeve. Hmm. Is this a in class or out of class pet peeve? Are we talking an academic scholarly pet peeve, or are we talking just humans on campus in general pet peeve? That's a, I kind of, I'm kind of interested 
to like what's like in class, like what yeah, is that, the, I guess the that, biggest that was your aim, in but class? Like you're teaching, you're doing your spiel, and like what's something that you really, like, really? Yeah, let's start with an in class yeah, yeah, setting. Yeah. I mean, I, I would think I would think in general, like what what is it that that students do that is my biggest pet peeve? Um, what they do is act like they did something that they didn't do. For example, um, the reading. So I would say probably my biggest pet peeve is that students don't do the reading and then don't take responsibility for not doing the reading. Um, so it's not really a do, but rather a, a, a don't do. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as, as you guys know, and you've heard me say snarky things in class, like I would assign some readings, people wouldn't do them, we're there to have a conversation. Um, it makes it really tough to sort of move the course forward. And then I see students, because most of us try to set things up where we have sort of this balance between the reading and the content and the understanding and some sort of application. Mm -hmm. And when you don't do the reading, it makes it more difficult to do the application. So then ultimately, we end up teaching you the things that you could have easily gotten by just doing the reading throughout the application process. Things like in usability, um, like how do I do a think aloud protocol? Well, if you would have just read the three things that I asked you to read, you know. So I've even gone so far as to um, take some readings and get something that also delivers that same content in a, in a video format. And I have found that um, if those videos are over a minute and 47 seconds long, students will also not um, take the time to look at those. So I'd say that's probably the biggest pet peeve because I feel like uh, you're not getting as much out of the course as you possibly could. And I also know that you want, because you all have real lives, right, and have other things that you're interested in. Let's call them podcasts. Let's call them jobs. Let's call them girlfriends. Let's call them whatever, right? Um, you want to be able to work with your groups and do things in class. And lots of professors are moving to that model where you get to do stuff in class. Well, that whole model is based on the fact that you've done some of the work outside mm -hmm. of class, which is the reading. You don't want us just to stand in front of you and lecture for an hour and 25 minutes and have you doodle to keep yourself so that you're not distracted, um, you know, or whatever it happens to be. You want time to actually do things. So if you do that reading, um, that definitely helps. So that's pet peeve number one. Pet peeve number two is, uh, and you didn't ask for two, but you're getting them. Mm -hmm. um, pet, because this one just happened the other day. Uh, by the other day, I mean like yesterday. Is when students will send an email with a question. And we won't even get to whether or not the answer to that question was easily placed in seven places on the course Learn at UW Stout site. <laughs> uh, we won't even get to that. that <clears throat> that's a different thing. Um, that goes back to the C previous note about reading. Um, but is when they'll ask a question, I will, within an hour, sit down and write a very, very long, detailed, specific response. And then it's as if they just ghost you. Right? Never hear back from them. So I walk into class on Thursday and I'm like, hey, Evan, did you get that email? And you're like, yeah, yeah, thanks. How about the email back that says, thanks so much for your time. This was extremely helpful, blah, 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 whatever. So I've been mm -hmm. starting to talk to students and say, you know who gets to decide when the email back and forth stops? The person with more power. 
And, the, and power is this term that I like to talk about. Not like, I have power, I can crush you, but rather there, there are power relationships when you get out in industry, right? Your manager, your boss, you guys know this, you work places, Rachel has power over you. Rachel gets to decide that she doesn't want to keep emailing back and forth by stopping the email. Mm -hmm. Students shouldn't do that. So that's probably my, my second thing, because I feel like, where's the gratitude, man? Mm -hmm. Like, I just did all this for you. So, yeah. This just made me think of, uh, this, well, this last, like, maybe 10 days ago, I was getting a tattoo, and I was looking through the, the, the dude's, uh, like, tattoo, like, work, the stuff that he's done previously, and one of them was a, uh, a tattoo that I can only imagine a professor got that was, like, this, like, fancy like traditional heart and in it it said it's in the syllabus and i i, I <laughs> oh. thought it was so funny yeah yeah, yeah. so smarts yeah. i kind of want to go back to what you were saying about doing the reading and doing the work um so i'm i'm doing my reading i'm doing my homework and i'm just not seeing the grade that i deserve what's what can i do to help me uh on my path to success like in that class what more can i do because obviously you're saying that apply yourself do the reading and do what's asked by the professor and you should be fine but if I'm a student and I'm doing those things uh, and I'm not seeing the result um, what what more can I do so let me ask you a question before I answer it which is you said I'm not getting the grade that I deserve what do you mean by the grade that you deserve by the effort I'm putting in like as in I'm doing the reading I'm doing the work and I'm not seeing the result but you're saying that you have all you need to do is do the reading and do this well, from what you just said. <laughs> I, I said my biggest pet peeve is when students so don't, don't do, do the, the reading. reading. But I did not say well, all I'm, you need I'm to do is that do the reading. that you're saying that if you apply yourself by doing the work, you will receive the grade that, you know, the effort that you put in is, kind of, is the grade you get. All right, all right. I got lots to say here. So first <laughs> off, you're misreading any implication that I made by talking about that as a pet peeve. So here's a couple of things. Um, one of the things that... I guess this is going to turn into a pet peeve episode, but one of the other things that, that is kind of a pet peeve... That's the title and, of the episode, Sparks Pet Peeve. Yeah, so I, I think, um, and I don't think I'm alone in this, is when there's an assumption that there is a direct correlation between effort and grade. Okay. So, and I'm just going to use an analogy um, to sort of explain what I mean by this. So... You're trying really hard, right? You're doing your best. You're putting in the time. You're doing all those things. I would probably argue that you aren't because you didn't show up in my office. We didn't have conversations outside of class. You didn't send me emails until after you found out that you were having problems. I'm not talking about you, but just in general mm -hmm. students, right? So students are always like, oh, I'm giving my best effort. I sit in my office for countless hours by myself without anybody coming to ask extra questions, mm -hmm. get supplemental help. So that is another thing that somebody could do, yeah. I think, is to do that kind of work. But but when, when talking about effort, a lot of it has to do with like your definition of success. So I don't believe, and you guys know this because of the way that I've talked to you about grades and those type of things, I don't necessarily believe success equates to an A, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. so, so it might just be the case that this isn't your thing, right? It isn't your thing because it, it isn't that interesting to you. It isn't your thing because it's not your particular skill set, right? And so a lot of times... You know what? I can try really hard. Arthur, you and I are going to try our hardest. Right now, between now and May 15th, we're going to train as hard as we can. And I'm going to put in all my best effort. And on May 15th, you and I, we're going to run. We're going to have a race. It's going to be a 100-meter race. I'm putting in all my effort. You're putting in all your effort. Who's going to win? 
Me. <laughs> yeah, you. Why? Because you have a different skill set okay. than I have, right? But So I can't stand there and go, I put in all this effort. Why, why couldn't I get the A, which means beat mm. Arthur, right? Because mm -hmm. it's just not my thing. Okay. Possibly, right? So, so is it possible that, and this really happens a lot in, in some of the classes I teach, specifically in the 125 and in the 340, those are sort of require different parts of your brain. They require different skills than a lot of the stuff that you guys do. Your writing and your communication things, you know, that a lot of that's a really creative endeavor. Um, you don't have to have as much of sort of that logical sequential type of stuff. So for some students, like, dude, you can just, you can put it all in, and it's just not—it's just not there. It's mm -hmm. not your thing, right? It's not the way that your brain works, and, and and you don't have the interest in it, whatever it happens to be. So, what can students do? I think students can do two things. One, I think they can be more introspective in terms of creating realistic expectations for success, given the content and type of class that it is. So, you know what? I'm in this thing. I'm not really that interested in it. I found out that it's pretty hard because it requires this thing. Oh, I hate math. Oh, I'm trying my hardest. I'm still getting a D in math, right? Well, because it might not just be your thing. So that's the first thing. The second thing is really exhaust all of your resources. On campus, there are so many resources. And one of the most important and, and biggest resources that you have here at Stout that you don't get elsewhere you guys have direct access to professors, people who are experts in all these things they're teaching. And you're still, again, I'm going to overuse hashtag take advantage, mm -hmm. but you're not taking advantage of those things. Yeah. I see literally in my office hours, in a, I will tell you here, this is my fifth year, the number of students, and this is not individual students, but individual times people have shown up in my office in five years, if it's not for an advising thing, 10. Wow. 10. I mean, I would ask you, how many times have you been to a professor's office? If it isn't for advising, if it isn't for talking about some extra opportunity, something related to coursework, course content, et cetera. And you're all sitting here going, yeah. Mm, yeah. I can think of one off the no, top of my head. That was we've it. preached this before on this podcast about actually taking advantage of going to the professor's mm -hmm. office. Like we said, I, I can't remember the episode, but we talked about like how you guys are actually in your office wanting, because I, I think it was... Well, actually, easy, easy, I, wanting. I don't know what that <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Maybe not sparse, but... <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm wanting to talk to people for sure. I'm pretty sure it was actually uh, you when I we talked about this and I brought up the fact that mm -hmm. professors are actually... Willing to help you if yeah. you come to your, if you come to their office and just ask the question, but I think we're just we think we're so busy, but we're really not to just go there. It can it can be kind of scary too, because like I don't know. Sure. You, True. You know, the worry is that you know you go into your professor's your professor's uh, office to ask a, a question in math, and they're like, "Well, weren't you listening in class?" Yada yada yeah. stuff mm -hmm. like that. And True. I guess I understand that that fear, but it I think that that professors here at Stout specifically, I don't I mean I guess I can't speak to other universities are very approachable about these kind of things. Extremely. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And because professors who have chosen for whatever reason to be at Stout, we're well aware of of the type of university that Stout is. This is what we would call as professors a teaching university. Um, you know, I have four classes a semester. If you were to go to the University of Minnesota, those teacher, those professors have one or two classes a semester because there's more expectations for research. And so the teachers that you get here are professors who are teachers, 
which means they really have a lot of investment in students as such. We want you to come in and help. And I get that it can be scary, right? Did I go to office hours when I was an undergrad? No way. For that exact reason. I was like, I wasn't kind of paying attention. I didn't take great notes. And now I'm going to go in and ask a question. But I think you're probably, you might get that from some professors. Like, weren't you paying attention? You say, yeah, I was paying attention. Here's the way I understood it. But I had this specific question. Because students are also realistic about their social situations. You don't want to be the person asking the the one question you're like oh you've been going over this (laughs) Mm -hmm. for 20 minutes and then you're like and then you know sparks stands in front and be like what's wrong with you right and make you feel dumb come into come into their office and ask that question then they can give you more examples show it to you in a different way explain it to you differently whatever it happens to be um you know and i think i think a lot of professors have even a different persona (laughs) that's usability (laughs) Uh, but have a different persona in the classroom than they do in their office hours. And I would get students who, you know, they would write things on, you know, rate my professors or whatever else. And they'd be like, go into his office. He's such a different, like open, welcoming, chill, laid back guy in his office. And I actually, personally, as a, as a professor, and one of the things that I grew on is I said, you know what, why am I taking myself so seriously in the classroom? Maybe I should do some more of that in the classroom if that's resonating more with students. And so part of the stuff that you have seen is the evolution of mm-hmm. SPARTS, which okay. is sort of, you know what, why take all this stuff so seriously, right? <laughs> let's, let's, you guys are here. I'm going to try to help you be successful in whatever you can, any way I can. And one of those is by sitting in my office and waiting for you to come in. Mm-hmm. So it's a really good point. I, cause I, I, I have the same experience. I was, I was kind of struggling in my math class freshman year, and I, I went into my professor's office, and he's us- he was usually just kind of like, you know, do the homework and stuff. And I walked in, and I was kind of nervous, and the first thing he said was a joke. Like, he cracked a joke right away. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. It just is a different feel. Well, yep. they yeah. are humans. Yeah, for sure. And I think sometimes that is hard for, for students to understand, right? Because the way that the institution is set up historically, like if you go and look at sort of the history of higher education. It's the old sage on the stage model, right? I, I would wear my regalia, where's my, <laughs> yeah. all my stuff, and you would sit there in pews and not move and just listen and wait for the knowledge to be poured in your head, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so that, that hasn't changed mm-hmm. that much. And so, you know, it's sort of the, the you know, priest-parishioner model, if you will, that that puts us in this place where we're nervous about doing these things, but we're just human beings, and that's one of the things that mm-hmm. I found that has really resonated with students. Just just humanize yourself in the classroom, and then maybe more people will start to come, right. and then they'll listen to this podcast, and they'll be like, "For sure, I'm going to come. I'm not even going to have time <laughs> in my office hours now. I'm sure." But. So I got a question, kind of like this, kind of parlays into kind of what we were just talking about. Is like. What is the reason for having icebreakers? And for you as a prof- as a professor, like wh- like how much do you, of you like is okay to share with your students to make them feel more comfortable? Like you know, like there's a line like is like not sharing enough, like and you don't really see the human aspect of your professor, but like is there sharing too much? Mm-hmm. You know, like so like we have we have icebreakers to get to know each other in class. But what's like the reason for icebreakers for like professors? Do you think that's like a really good thing to have? Right. So, so I can answer this question both um, from sort of uh, philosophical, here's the objective of icebreakers from a teaching and learning perspective, and then also from my own perspective. And I'll start with the sort of teaching and learning perspective, which is 
we want students to be able to have conversations with one another. The only way that, that happens is if they feel comfortable in the environment. One of the ways to get them to feel comfortable in the environment is to get them to feel comfortable with one another. How humanistically do we feel comfortable with one another if we know things about one another, right? What do they say if you're ever, um, you know, you're ever kidnapped, what are you supposed to do? Humanize yourself, start talking about who you are, right? And that's gonna potentially make the kidnapper um, have some Absolutely. sort of empathy Most and maybe yeah, yeah. let you go, right? Yeah. So, so on a, on a sort of like non-kidnappy way, um, what, <laughs> what, what, we're, what we're trying to do is we're kidnapping we're, students. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, but what we're trying to do is to to get you to feel comfortable talking in a judgment-free zone and share some things about yourself and learn some things about mm -hmm. some other people, so that conversations about the content can then happen a little bit more. Because you guys have all sat in the class, we're like. Here's the discussion question, and then everybody just sit there, and nothing will happen, right? Do they work, I guess, is the real question, which comes into sort of my end of things. You guys have all been in my classes. I don't really do um, icebreakers like yeah. that. In fact, by don't really, I mean, I never do icebreakers like that. One, because I'm, if we had Twitter in the 90s when I was in college, I'd be like, Man, if I have to do one more icebreaker, <laughs> I'm going to kidnap myself, right? But, but, so I don't really do those. When I do them, I try to do them related to the course in some way so that I can find some things out about the students. I feel like it's my responsibility to create an environment that is more conducive to discussions. Um, and I do that by forcing people, being mindful and and some people freak out about this, right? But calling on people, forcing people to have conversations, using, you know, and you guys have heard me talk about like wait time where I sit and you sit there uncomfortably until somebody's finally like, oh, okay, and they answer. Um, I try to do those kind of things in terms of getting that discussion rolling. Um, as far as professors and sharing, um, I think that's really an individual sort of thing in a, in a really based on style. For me, um, I think that I get a lot more investment by students by letting them know things about who I am. Mm -hmm. I talk about my kids all the time. I talk about my dog all the time. I talk about my wife and what they do. I've talked about my experience. And, and one of the things for me is um, I do that because I really like to teach from sort of more of a facilitation, um, uh, a team kind of approach, more of a coaching model, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, if you don't believe like I'm somewhat like you, like if I don't tell you guys, is it embarrassing to say I went to undergrad for six years? Yeah, it's kind of embarrassing to say that, but guess what? That's my reality. That's my truth, if you will. Isn't that what we say now? Live your, live your, live truth. your truth. There's a t-shirt somewhere. <laughs> yeah. um, but but that, that was my truth, and that all came out of decisions that I made as an undergrad. And when I share that with students, they're like, oh, man, I thought all professors like – got 4.0, we're summa cum laude, spazzed <laughs> on through, blah, blah, blah. No, man, I, I was a normal kid who happened to be kind of smart, and but I also worked and liked to screw around and have fun and made some choices that led me to have that. And I think doing that and letting people know that, like, I want to be partners with students and meet mm -hmm. you guys where you are and help you move forward. And I think for me, sharing and doing that um, really helps that happen. But that that's also risky because see our previous conversations about getting students to do the reading. Mm -hmm. You know, you guys know very well about the concept of ethos, right? Mm -hmm. So yep. how do you how do you balance that? Like, okay, Sparts is a guy who 
told you that he failed his midterm in evolutionary biology in 1991 at the University of Minnesota because he didn't study because there was a snow day the day before. What kind of ethos does that give me? How do I balance that and going six years as an undergrad mm -hmm. with, well, this guy actually knows what he's talking about. I can learn something. This person can help me be successful academically, socially, emotionally, in industry, et cetera, right? And so it's, it's, a, it's a risk, and I stand in a position of um, sort of, I'm in a fortunate position because I'm tall, I'm loud, I speak with a lot of authority, and that sort of engenders a particular amount of ethos, and I know what the hell I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. So I get some of that so I can do some of that other stuff, I think. Um, so it's a really, it's an individual thing, and it's a, it's a hard balance, I think. Do I overshare sometimes? For sure. And I'll tell people the first day, like, you're probably going to hear a lot more about me than you even would want to. Mm -hmm. But I also say, if I'm not having fun, there's no chance that you can be having fun and can be learning anything because, you know, they, they don't pay me enough to not be enjoying my time. This question relates to kind of something that you said earlier. Uh, do professors check your, your Rate My Professor uh, score <laughs> and, like, see what people say? Cause I, and, like, what's that like? Because, I don't know, there's not an anonymous source out there that's, like, how good is Logan Meyer yet? Whatever right. he's doing. And also, how many peppers does he have for how hot he is? I don't know. This is like, I'm just curious to know. <laughs> that's a weird, I, I feel like that's weird that they have that on Rate My Professor. Like, oh, wow, it's a hot professor. I'll take the class. Like, I've, I don't know. Yeah, I think that's weird. Primarily think it's weird because I've never gotten a hot pepper. Come on. <laughs> Let's go, folks. Pepper it up. But but um, do, do professors look at it? I think some, some professors look at it because they see it as a different way to evaluate, right? So we all know about the, the university evaluations and really the relative merit of those things. <laughs> but students in sort of that anonymous form are willing to say something. I've, I've learned a lot of things. So, so do we look at them? Yeah, I look at them. I look at them a lot more now um, that I've been doing this for a longer period of time. I feel pretty confident based on my history, based on what other students have told me, based on what I've seen my students under my tutelage go out and do and the success that they've had, um, based on my scholarship, I feel, I feel confident now. So yeah, I'll go in and take a look because I'm like, well, I can sort of see how they trend. For me, I know I'm a polarizing figure, right? You're either like Team Sparts or not Team Sparts is kind of the way it really goes. Um, you know, that's my Twilight reference, right? Whether Team uh, Edward and Jacob. Yeah. Team yeah. Edward and Jacob. Yeah, it's like Team Sparts and then whoever my alter ego is, like the not Sparts, anybody other than Sparts. So I know what I'm going to get. I'm going to get things where people are going to say things about my sarcasm and people are going to say things about the rigor of the course and people are going to say things about all that stuff. And some people will say things about the rigor of the course and that's negative. And some people say things about the rigor of the course, and that's positive because they learned a lot of stuff. And so you can't, you can't make everybody happy. Um, you know, we talk a lot about teach to the six, which is in a class of 30, there's like six who are really going to be in there and really getting it. And, those are, and, and then there are some people who are kind of in the middle, and then there are some people who are like... They're plugged, they're, they're unplugged right away, right? So I know the people who are going to give the comments are either down here on the, this is not for me, or the way up here, mm -hmm. I totally get it, I'm 100% Team Sparks, this is the best thing since sliced bread. 
and I think a lot of professors are starting to understand that about that as an interface and what it happens. Um, I used to, in this full disclosure, like way back, and this was partially because I was applying for a job here. When there were negative comments about me, I'd go in and I would dispute them, and then the administrator of uh, rate my professors would then take those down. Because so I was like, what if going on a job market, somebody looks at that and they're like, oh my gosh, he's a monster. And then all of a sudden I don't get a job, right? So yeah, I think some people do, but I had professors, Patricia Sullivan was my professor at, U, um, at Purdue. She's like tops, tops, tops of the field. You guys have read some of her stuff, or <laughs> what I mean was you were assigned to read some of her stuff. Um, <laughs> uh, and she told me in no uncertain terms, I sat in her office, and this was before I rate my professors, she pulled out a file drawer like this, and she said, these are all my student evaluations since I've ever been here. And she said, I've never opened a single one of them because she was so nervous about somebody saying something and her not being able to sort of deal with that emotionally, psychologically, et cetera. So it really is, it is really dependent on the person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to what you were saying about the icebreaker question that Evan asked. Um, I like the... I, speaking from me personally, I like the fact that uh, professors share their stories, mm -hmm. uh, especially because we already have this stereotype of professor when we walk into the classroom. Uh, I know we shouldn't, but we look at you guys as, you know, El Jefe, you know, the, the boss, the, you guys are not even human. We, so we have like uh, this expectation for you guys, and we're scared when we get into the classroom. And the fact that professors are sharing their stories and are saying, "Yo, we were in college, also. We know what you guys are going through. Mm -hmm. So, relax." <laughs> so, I like the fact that you talked about that. I thought that was uh, pretty important. And I also want to ask, um, what's your craziest college memory? <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, my craziest college memory. Boy, that's a that's a tough one. In, in terms of what, in probably my craziest college memory isn't really a memory, um, but like something channeled through somebody retelling me something. Mm. Uh, so um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't know that I could necessarily say what my craziest. Oh, I oh this is tough, audience. I can remember one thing uh, that was probably. Uh, a standout story. So I went to the University of Minnesota uh, as an undergraduate, uh, lived in Pioneer Hall, and Pioneer Hall had, all the different halls have different athletic teams that, like, their teams are there. So Pioneer Hall had the hockey team, Pioneer Hall had the track team, uh, and a couple others. You know, obviously those, those were two of them that stuck out. So I became friends with some of the people on the track team. And... Um, we went to a track party, and the track party was all the way up, and I don't know if you know University of Minnesota yep. uh, at all, but you know where the Beerman Athletic Complex is, and then right next to it is the track. And we went up in that um, 4th Street. So we went up 4th Street. Uh, I think that's 4th Street, 709, 4th. I lived, I lived right across from Beerman 
in like my, my junior year and things. Uh, but we went all the way up past Beerman and we went to a party, um, you know, three, four blocks away. And the party got busted as most of them did and, and we left and we're walking back to the dorms with the whole track team and all of a sudden, um, I find myself in this throng of humans, and we are breaking into the track at the University of Minnesota. And apparently, it was a tradition of the track team that they would run naked 400s. <laughs> and so, yeah. And so I'm like, all right, winning Beerman. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we all went over to the opposite side of the track. Uh, and there were lights on the Beerman side from the building, uh, and so a bunch of us went over on the other side and, and disrobed as one would to, to uh, you know, stand with tradition, if you will. <laughs> and um, as we were getting undressed, like, the crowd just continued because all these people were coming from this party. And I hooked up on the shoulder of a guy who was an all-American 400 runner, mm. And I was a little more fit than, than I am now, and I stayed right with the guy. But I can tell you, like, my first 200, I was like, uh, we got over to the side of the building where the lights were, and, man, did I have a kick that you've never seen, right? Like, I'm all-American 400. So I ran the naked 400, as was tradition. <laughs> now, the funny thing was is the next day on the news – there is a news story about somebody broke into the Beerman track field and they talk about this tradition and all this kind of stuff and whatever else. So that's probably, you know, the cleanest of the craziest stories that I had a as an undergrad. It was running a naked 400. Sorry, Dad, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. That was a tradition every year? Uh, you know, as much as I can remember, yeah, that that was something that they had done. Or they were just convincing <laughs> right. the rest of us that it was a tradition to break into, commit, you know, a felony, I suppose. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, but yeah. Yeah, I probably broke a couple of laws that mm -hmm. day. I suppose it's easier to get talked into when you're in a different state of mind. I yeah, guess. and it was co it was co ed, so mm -hmm. in case you were curious. <laughs> uh all right. What so we talked a little bit about the, about this before the podcast, but for you, what factors go into like canceling your own classes? And then uh what are your thoughts on the recent cancellations surrounding kind of the insane Wisconsin weather that we've had? So factors that go into canceling my own classes um, are twofold. One, uh, is it 100% unavoidable? Um, so I don't feel great right now. I have a sinus infection, blah, 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 things like that. Um, if I can literally get there and do my level best, I will make class happen. Um, and or if, you know, a family situation or something, if I can make things work uh, to try to, you know, we had snow days, right? My kids came to class last Thursday. They sat there and answered a couple of questions that some of my students couldn't answer about about uh, nouns and things, which is kind of <laughs> funny. Uh, but, but I mean, so, so I do my best to try to make those work unless it's unavoidable. So that's one of the criteria is, like, is it completely impossible to get there. Mm -hmm. Second one is how far is this going to put us back and or can we get the same sort of as much as we can objectives realized 
by moving it online or by doing it at a different time, how much will it compromise what you guys are paying for mm -hmm. in terms of your learning, right? So, so are you paying for time necessarily to be there, right? An hour and 25 minutes twice a week, blah, 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 um, with some office hours thrown in. Are you paying for time or are you paying for my expertise and the learning and you know the experiences that you have? And I think it's the latter in, in, in this day and age with technology, sometimes we can move some things or change some things around to really um, complement that in-class learning situation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so if I can do that, shift some things online um, and not come, when I'm talking about issues that I'm having, um, I will do that. If I know I have a conference or I have something like that, um, I will know ahead of time. I'll let students know ahead of time and then there'll be I will plan my whole semester so that students either have individual work time, which they want, mm -hmm. need, et cetera, or there's an online component. As far as like when it's weather type of things, um, I will never cancel based on weather unless the university cancels based on weather. Um, and some of that is just like old school Minnesota, like hardiness. And also I drive a really big truck with four-wheel drive and there's no chance I can't get here. Um, so, you know, when I was down at Purdue, students would be like, oh my gosh, there's snow. Uh, are we going to have class? And I'm like, I have a four-wheel drive. Yeah, you're walking three blocks. You can do it. You know, and for them, by the way, snow is like, if the grass looked white at all, that was snow and they would totally freak out, like shut schools down, things like that. Um, as far as the university, um, all those decisions are made, at least from my understanding, based on student safety not based on inconvenience, not based on the amount of time it will take a student to get from their house or their apartment or wherever to class, um, but based on safety of students. So, you know, the cancellations that we had last week, um, the ones where we canceled full class days, those were based on temperature and safety, based on how long would you be outside before you could get wind chill, mm -hmm. right? Um, even if you could drive and park in lot one, you still would take you five minutes to walk here and you could, um, not windshield, but frostbite. You could get frostbite if you have exposed skin, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. We kind of know those situations. Mm -hmm. So those are based on safety. As far as like snow and roads and those kind of things, I don't know what criteria they use. Um, I have noticed sort of anecdotally that they make decisions about when they are shutting things down based on when other things in the community shut down, like other public transportation, public services, and those things will shut down then the university will decide to shut things down. But as you know, um, I mean, we didn't have school, my kids didn't have school yesterday in Menominee Area School District, but we had school, mm -hmm. I was here. Um, so yes, yeah, so I don't know um, how the chancellor makes that decision. If it's anything like, uh, you know, at the K-12 system, probably the <laughs> chancellor has a group of people who are at River Falls and at Eau Claire and they have, communication about, you know, what should we do as a system? There are policies in place for that, I'm sure, somewhere in some mm -hmm. sort of red tape, but yeah, I don't know. How do I feel about it? Um, it's unfortunate that we've had to do it. I know that I'm behind. Um, I'm going to have to cut some things out. I have to sort of realize that I'm going to have to dig in on fewer things to give students the depth of knowledge that I want as opposed to so I'm going to have to go more depth instead of breadth a little bit this semester. Um, and that's just... It is what it is, I guess, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So, uh, before Arthur asks, uh, 
uh, I also would like to officially petition like a like a p- professor bring your bring your kid to work day because that's all kids are like almost always hilarious. Yeah, and mm. I just think it's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. My kids have been. I don't know if if they were in any of your classes before. I brought them to probably three or four, and they sit back and they color because um, you guys have heard me rant about screen time and stuff like that. So they sit there and color and things, and then I ask them questions occasionally. No students could answer the question uh, the other day in my grammar and style class about why, um, why this type of noun didn't have an article before it. And I said, well, see how this type of noun, all three words are capitalized? And they're like, I said, what kind of noun is that? What class of noun is it? And they're sitting there. And I said, Max, what class of noun is that? He goes, capital letters. Oh, that's a proper noun. And all the students were like, oh, man, I feel horrible. And I said, no, you know, it's not really your fault. Well, he is your son. Well, do you think I'm doing that at home? Like, I'm trying to get him to, like, put his socks away, right? No, I don't have time for that. But they're learning that at school. You guys learn some of that stuff in fourth grade, and then you just forget it because it's this weird sort of meta language that there's no application for it. So, yeah, but it is fun. They have a good time, and I make them introduce themselves and kind of, you know, freak out a little Mm -hmm. bit. So, yeah. But I, I'd be down with that. I'd love to watch other professors bring their kids into classes and see what happens. You know, mm. I'm going to make mine, if this continues, they'll be giving mini lectures. <laughs> yeah. <at the> <laughs> like, yes. so. You step away from the bathroom and yeah. they start teaching. Yep. Here's the PowerPoint. Go for it. Yep. Um, all right. So I think we just have like one last question. Okay. Um, so... What's, what's some advice you could give to someone that is kind of lost in a sense and doesn't quite know what to do with their life or which major to go towards? Like, what's some advice that you would, you would give to someone? So, it, so the situation is a student is here at UW-Stout and they came to UW-Stout not knowing what they wanted to do in their lives. Yeah, or yeah, I guess just in general, if someone just isn't sure what they want to do, like, yeah, let's just say a student comes to UW-Stout, and they're undeclared, mm-hmm. right? And they just don't know what to do. They, they don't know what their, what their passion is. Mm-hmm. What would you say? What's some advice you would give to them? I mean, the first thing that I always do is I have students come in, and I sit down with them, and then I ask them about, and th- this is maybe something that, that uh, is going to strike you as odd, but I ask them, like, why did you come to college? Mm-hmm. Um, because as, as much as I love college and, and my kids will be forced to go to college, dang it, um, no matter <laughs> what, right? But, but I, I don't know that, that college is a place for everyone. There, there are lots of – my best friend since I was six years old went to college for four weeks, right? And he went to college for four weeks, and in those first four weeks in computer science major, he figured out that he had already learned and already read everything that he was being assigned in those first four weeks – four years ago, right, when he was 14, Mm -hmm. right? And then he built his own business, and he exited for $65 million, and now he's on to his fourth business, whatever else, right? No college education. So college is is definitely not for everybody. So I'd ask students to say, why are you here? Well, and if the answer to that is because I want to learn more and I want to use this as an opportunity to figure out who I want to be, what I want to be, then I really, this is a great opportunity for us to talk about the importance of and the value of general education on campus. So I know a lot of students are like, oh man, I know what I want to do. I want to be a, you know, um, mechanical engineer. Why do I have to take English, history, Mm -hmm. you know, all those kind of liberal arts type of classes? Um, 
Well, A, because they're going to be citizens in the United States, and, and we need to be contributing, and part of contributing is being able to have conversations with people about a variety of topics, right? Imagine the only thing you can talk about and know is mechanical engineering. That would be pretty <laughs> horrible, right? Um, great thing. My son wants to be a mechanical engineer. Uh, but he is going to read, learn history, <laughs> English, those kind of things. Um, so I would talk about that, and I would talk about, and, and just like I talk to students when they come in, and they're like, oh, i got to fill this res 1 or res 2 or this, blah, blah, blah. Which should I take? And I always tell students, don't take courses that fit your schedule. Take courses that sound interesting to you. You are paying for those courses. You're going to learn something. And even if you don't learn a ton, you're going to learn a little, and you're going to round yourself out a little bit. And so when students, that's why the university requires so much general education. is for students, and you go in there, and then you get these different, learn about these different things, these different experiences. You find, like, what resonates with me? What's interesting? So that's, a, that's one of the first things I would say. The second thing is this. Let's say that they've declared a major. We have PSEM majors who are like, and this is one of the things I do as my icebreaker is, like, why are you here? What could you do with what you're going to learn? What do you understand with this? What do you want to be when you grow up? And people are like, yeah, I'm still trying to figure that out. So those students I talk about, this is your opportunity because of, again, hashtag take advantage number three, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> is there are tons of opportunities on campus to actually go out and do stuff, Right. I have, there are students, PSM students who have graduated right now who are sitting in jobs doing things that they don't necessarily like, right? But they're learning that they didn't like it. Or they go on an internship or a co-op or a practicum, and they're like, yeah, I didn't really like that. That's learning something. So then go get another one. There's so many opportunities for you. Go and try and apply. And, and in those things, look at the different jobs that you're doing. So I have students who, you know, we have the Mayo, um, what, what's the Mayo one called? Uh, the Public the, Affairs? Yeah, the Public John. Affairs yeah, Internships. And a lot of students are like, oh, I, I don't, I don't want to do public affairs. And then I say, okay, here are the things that I know that you'll be doing in that internship, just as a baseline. And then here are the things I know that students have been able to do in that internship because Amy Middlestad sits on our advisory board and I know her, you know, out in, out in the community, et cetera. You don't want to be a public affairs person, but look at what this public affairs person did. They put together social media blasts, right? They put together marketing collateral. They went out and took pictures. They sat at these public events. One of the public affairs um, interns was handing out bracelets at a football game because they had a table there that Mayo had sponsored, blah, blah, blah. And in those things, all of a sudden, you can find something like, you know what I really liked? I really liked being at this event, help coordinating this event, meeting and greeting people. And once you start to figure out that's what you like, then you come in and you have conversations with professors, advisors, et cetera, and you say, you know what? I found that I really like this. And they say, ah, here's a place where you might want to go. Go over to hospitality and tourism management and start to look at that. 
Or here are some other majors that you want to do. I talked to a student in our PSEM major right now, and he's like, yeah, I really like making these videos and doing this video stuff. And I said, you know, we have a video production major now on campus. Mm -hmm. Maybe you want to investigate that. Maybe you're too far into your PSEM where you don't want to do video production as a major, but maybe you want to pick up a minor, or maybe you want to take all those core classes and plug it into your applied field, mm -hmm. whatever else, right? So that you, there's so much flexibility here on campus, so many opportunities. You can really find out what you want to do, not by sitting in classes, right? Because most of us were like, I don't want to do the class stuff. I just want to go out and get the job and do the thing, right? Not realizing you guys will all reflect back and you'll be like, oh, I learned some stuff in that class that's helping me be more successful at doing this thing. That's the point, mm -hmm. right? That's why we're doing this. But actually doing the thing and figuring out, do I want to do the thing or do I not want to do it? And, or was there a part of it that I like to do and where could I find that? That would be my biggest recommendation, which, again, is why I'm here at Stout, which is why the Polytechnic is huge, which is why you guys have so many advantages over other students that at different universities of the same size, I mean, it, it really is an amazing thing. So my hope is that that's the reason that you all came here, but likely you didn't, there was some other history to it, and you're just like here, and now you just, you found yourself in this place you have to, have to, have to go out and get those practical experiences. And I know most of you are doing that, which is represented by what we're doing here. So you guys are finding out right now, do I like doing podcast stuff? Mm -hmm. Maybe we want to do podcast stuff, right? Well, are there classes I can take in podcasting? Mm, maybe not. But are there other skills in podcasting where there are classes that I can take that would lead me to be able to do this? Or other opportunities on campus where I can do more podcasting or, you know, audio production kind of stuff? Yeah. Then go do those. Before you leave, Sparks, if you could be any animal in this world, <laughs> which animal would you be and why? Any animal in this world. They're going to ask me any person. <laughs> <laughs> I because my answer. Like I thought you were going to ask the bird thing, because that's, that's kind of the piece I'm like, I feel well, like that's, that's the piece yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, right. like, what, what kind of bird yeah, would you I should have. I, I should have. Yeah, I can't. What, um, man. That is a, a really tough question. I didn't know if Mitch had it copyrighted. You know, I don't want to. <laughs> on, on the bird. Um, Are you going to charge us five bucks? No. I mean, I think possibly, uh, given what I like to do, I, I might choose to be a river otter. Um, so they get to spend a lot of time on the water. I mean, as you guys know, I spend a lot of time on the water on mm -hmm. my boat yep. and things. Um, they like fish and fishing, which is something I really like to do. But they also get to spend a lot of time in the woods and along creeks and those kind of things. Um, and their fur is super soft, which I like to think mine is. Um, and uh, they can uh, withstand the cold. And um, uh, and they're, they're, nobody really dislikes the otter. I don't feel like, uh, so except for my dad who has one hanging on his wall in his cabin, uh, but he, he likes looking at it, but I, I think he disliked it at the time because it was eating a lot of the fish around his dock. Um, yeah, I think maybe an otter. I don't know. Nobody's ever asked me that. 
if you ask me, my, my high school students used to ask me who would I be if I could be anybody, and I told them that I would be Will Smith. Will Smith. He was, still had a music career. Mm-hmm. He was an actor. actor. Mm-hmm. Ooh, he, okay. he married Jada Pinkett Smith. <laughs> he had seven you. bajillion dollars and had no kids yet. Mm-hmm. I was like, I want to be Will Smith. I'm following you. Yeah. <laughs> so, I see it. There I'm it is. Anyways, uh, thank you, Sparts, for uh, this amazing conversation. And yeah, thank you for agreeing thank to come you so on. Much. No worries, no worries. Well, uh, uh, edit me warmly and, and accurately, <laughs> as, as they say. But uh, I appreciate I appreciate the opportunity uh, to say my piece. And obviously, um, what the the lawyer language on this? Um, these thoughts are mine and mine alone. They are not representative of the University of Wisconsin Stout, nor are they representative of the English and Philosophy Department or the Professional Communication and Emerging Media Program. Thank you very much. And there it is. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again, Sparks. Thank uh, you so much. Thank, Thank you. you, guys. Remember, if you love this episode of the Blue Devil Podcast, be sure to visit us on all social media channels at UWBD Podcast. Again, that is at UWBD Podcast. You can join the conversation. Be the first to know about new episodes, events, and many more. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week.